Hello everybody and welcome back to The Grap Up, the once in a while pro wrestling podcast from your friends at linktothecast.eu. I'm your tour guide through the wacky world of professional wrestling, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined on the line by my usual Link to the Cast co-host, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you this evening? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, we're also joined on the line by the Roman Reigns of audio, hailing from parts unknown, it's Jack Lazell. It's really windy in parts unknown. It's It's been a real miserable fucking day today. <laughs> and not just because I saw Justice League. I thought it was just because you live with Mark. Oh, shots fired already. <laughs> as far as your attempts at burying me go, that's on the weaker side you've you've ever done. He's just getting warmed up. We, we, it was a, an, a record low amount of pre-show banter beforehand. We came in well under the usual hour. Like so that's, that's Jack's, m- Jack's still limbering up. About halfway through, the burials are going to be flying out. In terms of the heat, that's about the equivalent of a Miz Baron Corbin match. <laughs> oh, right. Before we get into that sort of stuff, because obviously the main thing we're going to be talking about on the show is Survivor Series, I thought maybe uh, it'd be prudent of us to kind of go around outside the Fed and talk about some stuff we've been watching or enjoying lately, because we, when we've done it the other way around in the past, we've been so burnt out from uh, kind of talking about the, the big WWE stuff that um, we, we've kind of been negligent on that front. Uh, and the first thing I want to go to is, Mark, we watched uh, this year's Battle of Los Angeles from PWG quite recently over we, the course of a few nights. We did. Now, did did you receive your Blu-ray of uh, Bola earlier than last year? Because we, we did watch last year's one, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. Uh, about, about the same, about like... Um, it's about two months after the actual event and within about three weeks of them going up for pre-order there thereabouts i think i'm not i'm not sure it it, i do feel like it was roughly the same time but i couldn't tell you for sure uh now you came into this um like me spoiled by the results but i mean i think that we're both people that when we're watching pwg we're not exactly going in um looking for oh what will they do it's more oh i've watched the trailer for this and oh my god i need to see this show yeah, because I think one of the things, and I don't know if you encountered this as well, Jack, one of the things that, it, like, after Bola every year now, there seem to be the just the avalanche of hot takes about kind of uh, people giving out about uh, PWG, um, their their lack of storytelling and, and things like that, and them just kind of matches being spot fest or things like that. My personal take is always that that's kind of what I'm in PWG for, just, like, absolutely insane matches. And sometimes they, they do do cool stories in there, but that's kind of a, a bonus. Um is that the kind of stuff you tune into PWG for, Jack? Or what? What is your kind of what? What? What is your enjoyment level of PWG like? Really, don't watch PWG for the storyline. Like, isn't that what wrestling is? Isn't it just a carnival of life's rich pageantry of all kinds of wacky things all mixed up together? It's the it's the highest form of theatre in a lot of ways, and in sometimes the lowest. It's absolutely well. theatre. Yeah, um, but definitely, I think in uh, particularly in in recent years, I, I've come to identify PWG with just kind of like crazy matches, as opposed to I need to tune in quite regularly. Like I, I pretty much will just watch Bola every year now, and if I hear there's like a crazy event uh, in between Bolas, I'll uh, I'll look that up. But uh, Mark, talk talk to us about this year. First off, uh, this year versus last year, um, better than last year's Bola, worse, the same. How are, we, how are 
you feeling once you finished? I mean, last year's show had that Liger match, that 10-man match, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still in some ways reeling from that still. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, it's been a year, so, uh, and I've watched a lot of wrestling in that time, so you're not always going to remember much from a year ago. Uh, now, obviously, there was yeah. the, um, the, the six-man tag with uh, the Bucks... And I think it was Adam Cole against uh, Osprey, Ricochet, and Matt Seidel, which was yeah. ended up with the five stars from Young Dave Meltzer. Uh, and that match was was awesome. Um, and then this year, there was a great uh, Pete Dunne, um, Mark Andrews match. Yeah, absolutely. There was. I, I think the thing about this year's one is that there was uh, an injection of of new talent uh, due to you know a number of personalities from last year getting signed up elsewhere. Um, and so this was a really cool chance for me to see someone like Jonah Rock that I'd never really seen before, uh, Sammy Guevara, who had only kind of seen briefly, uh, Jerry Janela, who's, um, you know, really kind of raised his stock this year. Uh, so it was really mm-hmm. cool to see a bunch of new guys get a chance uh, to, to show their talents, along with the kind of continuing uh, trend of bringing over a lot of the, the UK talent at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think there was... There's certainly been like the second night of the last couple of years has been like the real kind of standout night of of Bola. I don't think Mm. this year's second night were kind of holds up as well. But I mean, the the Donovan Dijak Keith Lee match from um, that weekend was just the most. I I think they had a match uh, the Mania weekend as well. Just the most fucking ridiculous thing you're seeing from uh, two men who should be doing those kinds of moves. Yeah, that was night three. That was in the the quarterfinals. Um, that was absolutely ridiculous. I enjoyed seeing Desmond Xavier in the tournament as well. Um, I enjoyed his match. It was short enough, but he had a bit of a sprint with Ricochet on the final night as well that I really enjoyed. Um, enjoyed getting to see. Speaking of uh, people um, showing up in PWG that I hadn't seen in that environment before, uh, Walter, who's one of uh, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us, one of our faves. Uh, showing up uh, and he was in the the crazy uh, night three tag from all the the kind of people who'd been eliminated from the tournament Um, but other than that like I think I was a bit colder on it than last year and part of that could be down to um, Ricochet winning again Um, yeah he certainly certainly didn't have uh, like a a standout tournament Um, I thought he was solid uh, I thought he played a great ragdoll in in the finals, um, but to be honest, like his promo afterwards was probably like the most personality and the, the probably one of the better promos that he's ever cut uh, because he's never exactly yeah. ever been known for that. He's been known for being one of the best workers in the world, but um, you only have to look at uh, in Lucha Underground where he had Conan as as a mouthpiece. Uh, that's never been his forte, and so I don't know whether it's a case of him thinking, "Well, I'm probably going to end up in the Fed at some point, so I need to, you know, improve on that." Um, but I, I liked the, the 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 hill turn at the end and these kind of heelish tendencies throughout the weekend. Um, yeah, no, no, by no means like um, his strongest showcase ever. Um, I certainly don't think that you had a lot of people coming out of when the actual show happened. And people going, oh my god, Ricochet, blah, blah, blah. So he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So why the fuck does it matter if he wins it or not? Um, yeah. yeah, so, and I, all right, fair enough. Um, you could say, well, they could use it for someone else to get over, blah, blah, blah. But, the, you know, 
we talk about them not having storylines, and they clearly did go with a storyline with him and Chuck Taylor and their kind of past. So, you know, they actually went in a direction that people complain about, and then people complain yeah. about, yeah, so whatever. People aren't happy ever. <laughs> um, moving on from uh, PWG now, Mark, uh, the, the World Tag League is happening at the moment in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and as the, the New Japan expert on the podcast, I defer to well, relatively speaking, anyway, um, I, I defer to you. Give us a, a couple of kind of uh, your, your impressions so far, maybe a couple of recommendations for people who are trying to catch up. Uh, well, I mean, to start with, there, there's a couple of names like uh, who are making their uh, New Japan debuts. So you have Jeff Cobb, you have Chuck Taylor, uh, as I mentioned, and Sammy Callahan. Uh, so for a start, it's it's cool to see new faces in New Japan. Um, it's very weird seeing Chuck Taylor in New Japan. It's not the most uh, immediate fit. Um, His uh, performance in the press conference was stellar. It, well, he's he's a he's a great man. You know, you can't really say more than that. Uh, but he seems to be doing fine. He won on on the the opening night. Uh, Jeff Cobb put in an immediately just kind of like, okay, yeah, here's a statement from this guy because uh, he just started throwing people around. And I mean, you look at him and you look at what uh, gets over in Japan and it's it's an immediate fit. And uh, if WWE don't come calling and depending on what happens with his contract with Lucha Underground, uh, I could see him being signed like tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, he put in a great performance. Uh, Sammy, yeah. Uh, um, I'm kind of cold on Sammy. I used to be a big fan of him, but I don't know. He's post NXT run. It's not really doing much for me. Um, but yeah, it's it was a solid opening night. I haven't seen uh, night two. I don't know if night three has happened yet. Um, but yeah, like the, the kind of just building up, you know, towards uh, Wrestle Kingdom and like, They've got the best advanced sales they've had for however long, because as you'd imagine, Naito and Okada is a very hot match. Um, I think actually one thing we should talk about is the whole Kenny Omega Chris Jericho deal, because holy shit, fuck saw that coming. Yeah, I was right, Jack. You're 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 probably the same as myself, uh, a reasonably big uh, Chris Jericho fan, at least going back historically. Um, What was your reaction hearing this news, Jericho Omega Tokyo Dome? Sorry, you cut out there, mate, so I didn't hear any of that. Sorry, uh, what was your initial reaction to uh, Jericho Omega in the Tokyo Dome, that announcement? Wow, that's amazing. I would not have expected that to happen. This is all <laughs> internal monologue. No, I, I think it's awesome, Mike. It, you're not really sure what Jericho's status is with WWE, right? He's that guy that seems to be so cool with everyone there that he can just kind of go and do his own projects. And that clearly includes appearing in other promotions. Like, I don't know if if they're thrilled about it, but really there's no WWE event in the first week of January. So I don't think there is unless they've been on. So I can't imagine that they have that much of a problem with it because if anything if he has an amazing match and he goes and he's on the Royal Rumble at the end of the month then everyone's more over Jericho's more over New Japan's more over and WWE is more over yeah I think my understanding uh, Mark just to see if, if it's your understanding as well I think Jericho his contract has lapsed with WWE for the moment he kind of does these short term deals with them 
Um, so at the moment he's out of contract with them. Uh, would you say it could be uh, we could see Jericho both do the Tokyo Dome and then re-sign in time for WrestleMania this year? Or do you think maybe uh, if this match goes well um, at Wrestle Kingdom, he might stick around, do maybe another big match at some point next year? I mean, possibly. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, Jericho is nothing if not very opportunistic. And we've seen over the last couple of years, his real shtick has been just wanting to work with uh, the kind of hot indie name coming off of the indies into WWE. So yeah, that match in um, Japan with Neville. Um, I think he's done like house matches with Finn Balor. And so, you know, he's a smart dude and he's always trying to find ways to, to keep himself relevant. And, you know, he's now 47, I think. Um, and this opportunity came calling and, you know, for him and Kenny, Kenny, who's probably, um, the most famous wrestler in the world right now that isn't signed by WWE. Yeah. You have to take a match. Like everyone was expecting it to be him and Abushi at the dome. And I was thinking it was going to be that. I was hoping it would be that. They can still mm. get to that at some point. Like, if you're going to do a match like this, you have to do it at the Dome. It is their biggest match of the year. And, yeah. like, all right, fine. They've got Naito and Okada, which is their big match in Japan. But if yeah. you can get a name like Jericho and expand your global presence, which is what New Japan are trying to do. Mm. They are trying to be a, a global promotion. You have to do it. And so, yeah, yeah he's... He's not in contract with WWE. Um, he always said that he would never work anywhere else, and I think that's the kind of big surprise for a lot of people. Um, but I, I don't think it will cause that much grievance. I, th I can't remember where I heard it, but the, the big thing is that I don't think Vince McMahon would be too pissed because it's in Japan. Like, if he went and wrestled for a promotion in America, that could be a big issue. But it's in Japan, so whatever. We, we won't worry about it. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a really cool, weird thing. And, you know, we, we think that there are no surprises left in wrestling. And then this comes along. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a bit closer to home and talk some local stuff. Uh, Jack, you're a regular attendee at uh, Progress shows. How has Progress been doing the last couple of months from you? We have the kind of the, the Alexander Palace show a few months ago, and now they're kind of in their uh, reset period where they're starting to head towards the, the next big things. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult period for progress because ostensibly they're going to probably be losing Pete Dunne at some point. And, you know, he was kind of the champion and like the pillar that the whole company was built around. And you would maybe say either losing either both Tyler Bate and Trent Seven or just Tyler. Um, it depends. They kind of feel like they've all turned face i would say just so that we can sort of wave goodbye so kind of the opposite of ricochet um really and what pwg are doing with him so yeah uh it's it's kind of a tough sense perspective i think they're trying to set a few things up i think they're trying to get haskins and havoc over as as big time heels who've both spent the last year or so being faces mainly due to sort of big returns from injury, which kind of just automatically turns you face a la triple H 2002. Uh, and they're trying to get through a few new guys. Some are a bit hit and miss, but uh, Aussie open have been really good. Had a few good tag matches. Uh, I think everybody's really into them at the moment. 
And yeah, uh, it's difficult because you've got Travis Banks. He's the kind of massively over babyface champion at the moment. And on the heel side, there just doesn't really seem to be anybody with that sort of strong presence at the moment who's going to come through and challenge him for that title. Um, I would absolutely love it uh, if if his good friend and uh, and Kiwi compatriot would come back from injury uh, and mm. go to sort of congratulate his best mate and then just completely turn heel on him. And then TK Cooper versus uh, Travis Banks is like the next big feud, which I think would be pretty cool, which is something I thought about for a while, seeing as he's yeah. been on the sidelines and doing some pretty funny stuff on YouTube. Uh, they're also doing a really cool thing of Eddie Dennis as well. Because Eddie's, you know, he decided to leave his job as a headmaster and just focus full time on wrestling. Uh, and they've done some really awesome interview segments with him, and they're building up to like a match after he turned heel on Mark Andrews at Alexandra Palace. Um, on the negative side, there's a couple of guys that have sort of been put in front of people that no one really is into. The main one being Joseph Connors. Yeah, so I don't uh, know who so... he's talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's a case of like just sort of see how that goes really uh no one's ever really got into james drake either uh which is a shame because he has a glorious haircut uh seriously the the shaggiest most beautiful hair you will see on a man and you can uh, see him um, in full hd with his appearance on 205 live a couple of weeks ago yeah, exactly. Um, so they've kind of put him with Gibson to give him a bit of a rub. So they've positioned quite a lot of teams at the moment because I think losing um, London Riots like is a big pillar of their tag kind of community. So like every time they're trying to build up a new tag team that they bring in, they always have them go off against the London Riots. So I wonder if like Haskins and Havoc and or Gibson and Drake kind of fall into that role of maybe giving them a run with a belt uh, after CCK, and can we also uh, mention as well that that whole thing with the London riots, like the heel turn by James Davis was really well done. But since then, like the whole Strangler Davis thing yeah. hasn't really worked. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a shame because I, I, you know what, Progress do some really great stuff, like video wise, and put that content out on YouTube or whatever. But I just feel like. A lot of their shows, like unless you're Roy Johnson, you, you don't really get much of an opportunity to speak. And I get it because they kind of want to make their shows all action. But I think it would be cool if somebody like James Davis was given five minutes on the mic just to get himself over as a heel before a match rather than just living on YouTube. Because it kind of you don't connect to the character really like it takes a bit more time and pay progress have a very patient and understanding uh live audience i feel like the internet audience are a little bit snappy and quick and snarky and yeah it's uh it's it's going well for them in general terms of the company at the moment but they are in a tra transitional period i think talent wise mm um that, that that that's for sure um to move kind of even closer uh locally for me um ott has its big show of the year coming up uh being the elite live takes place in the national stadium on the the 9th of december and it's i wonder who's it's gonna be there dave uh oh, i am certainly going to be there that's for sure 
Um, but Flip Gordon. <laughs> indeed, it's quite the mishmash of a card. I think there's like there's some stuff that's that's being done really well at the moment over there. But um, uh, let me just read out this card uh, that's happening on the 9th of December because they've got a lot of imports coming in for this. And I think... <sighs> Some of them, though, I would enjoy seeing them in matches on this show. I, I, I think maybe the actual people they're going up against is sometimes not great here, but sometimes I'm enjoying them. So we have uh, a singles match taking place between uh, the Lord of the Manor, Paul Tracy, or as I, I call him in what the get-up he comes out in now, Pound Shop Link. Uh, and he's taking on who I think is my favorite character in um, British and Irish wrestling at the moment, Bobby George Jr., um have jack have you seen much of bobby george jr uh yeah and I, that's a reference that i fully get because i am a fan of, of darts related <laughs> stuff yes indeed uh, he's a full-on would you really he's a full-on like character out of man to man with dean Lerner. um i mean it's just but it's just a do you know the, the darts player bobby george yes yes well i know of him. It, it... <laughs> He is Bobby George. That is his gimmick. Like, yeah. it's such a bizarre, esoteric thing to do because, I mean, I guess there is some crossover with a darts audience and a wrestling audience. But, you know, Bobby George is always that guy that came out like half pissed up and, you know, with big gold chains and shit and came out mm. and played darts and sort of barely stayed awake for it because he was so bleary eyed kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah, you're this big kind of brash take on it as as bobby george jr i i find it very odd i must admit but i like it his, his vignettes uh his uh like his his flight club vignette which are his line of executive airport travel um and his uh in particular i think the best thing about the act uh, most people who've seen it live will agree is his announcer tony idle who is a, a darts commentator that commentates during his match on the live mic, uh, which is, it's just, it, it properly puts the, the gimmick over the top from being just a little bit silly to being just this comedic genius. Uh, so looking forward to that match uh, as just a pure kind of comedy affair. Uh, this match here, <laughs> this made me laugh because this is a three-way match that the first two-thirds of it sound, okay, I can see where they're going with this, and then it just careens off a cliff. So you've got a three-way which pits Flip Gordon, versus Ray Phoenix, so you're like, yeah, 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 versus Cody Rhodes. Mark, how... <laughs> what, what is Cody Rhodes nowadays, really? <laughs> well, I mean, he is the Ring of Honor world champion. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, he's had a couple of weird, like, matchups this year. Like, he's had Ring of Honor world championship matches against uh, Sonata in England, uh, that that one in particular, everyone's like, "Eh, what?" Uh, yeah. I I don't, like. Here's the thing: I'm not a, a Cody Rhodes hater. Um, I appreciate. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I hate him. No, no, no. Um, like, I appreciate his his work ethic and that he's yeah. been more than willing to you know try and raise the game of or raise the kind of platform of different indie promotions that he's worked with, and he's clearly a draw on the indie level. Um, uh, he's I've hoped for more out of him in terms of his actual performances sometimes. He's had a couple of good matches here and there. Uh, but yeah, this, I don't know, I figured it was it's, like, it's a, well, we need to put him somewhere on the card. Yeah. And look, you two, with the flips, is yeah. a man who doesn't do the flips. 
Cool. That, Go that's for it. definitely what it reeks of. It's like they were just trying to square peg round hole sort of situation. It, it, it possibly, they had to put Cody somewhere. It possibly could be as well. Um, I don't know how much there is the 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 Ring of Honor influence of hey he can't mm. be pinned so they're like fuck it put him in a triple threat so yeah, he doesn't there's, have there's to take a pinfall. There, there's certainly one of these matches that that feels a lot like maybe the uh the, the guys coming in the ring of honor guys or the bullet club guys were going right okay we're gonna go against these guys but anyway we'll talk about that uh in a couple of seconds here just to keep running up the card can as I quickly say, as i, can. I really yep. like cody rhodes yeah no like, i really like cody rhodes i think here he's... here's here's my thing jack like and I, I feel like i'm coming down a bit heavy on him here is that I, like i'm fine with him uh and all that it's just like this kind of like in the middle of this match, it kind of makes no sense. And like Mark said, I've seen several matches of his now. And uh, yeah, I, I think I would kind of echo Mark's thoughts in that I've just been hoping for a little bit more from him because I saw him over all of uh, Carrot Weekend this year over in Oberhausen and he really didn't blow me away at all. Now, at least one of those nights, it wasn't his fault. He was against Damak of uh, Cruiserweight Classic fame, and that was that was not great at all. I do think the but, whole uh, New Japan experiment can probably end the... Because even New Japan are like, yeah, look, here's one of our biggest shows of the year. Put him, like, second match from the bottom in a six-man tag, whatever. Uh, yeah. So they clearly don't have plans for him. And, you know, in fairness, like, him and Okada had a great match. A lot of that is down to Okada, but Rose did put in a shift as well. But I, I do think that that whole thing doesn't need to like i don't need to see him against abushi at the dome that's just that that doesn't do anything for abushi but uh whatever mm. i think that'll be a good match though but I, he's not be really a fine match he's not a he he's a heel though isn't he so yes he is yeah kind of part of me thinks that he could do a bit more but he's not because he's a heel uh i i i see where you're coming from i don't think that applies as much for like you can't be doing 80s nwa hill work in new japan in 2017 i don't think that really kind of gets well, over but you could you could i think because <laughs> you stand out uh, <laughs> I, I i think you're more just going to end up with uh new japan fans kind of just sitting on their hands um yeah. like it's um, fine with, with like naito but that's because he's like tranquilo and yeah you know uh, just to 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 move things along here, because we could uh, we could write a thesis on Cody Rhodes and on the independent scene. I think um, the OTT Women's Title match they're doing uh, Martina the Session Mott defending against Kaylee Ray, which is a real kind of last minute thrown together, only announced at the last OTT show thing. They're kind of portraying, and this is part of the the running theme on this show is that. Um, OTT's booking seems to be acknowledging finally that a lot of people are kind of getting a bit sick of imports coming in and steamrolling over the locals and the locals not getting their time and getting their chance to prove themselves. So Katie Ray is kind of being portrayed as a mercenary coming in to try and take the title from Martina because the heel authority figure in OTT is sick of Martina as champion. Um, which I suppose, even though it was last minute, is more effort than they've really put into the entire women's division since Katie Harvey went out injured. So that is a plus, but uh, I've really not been digging their their lack of effort in general uh, in booking the women's division of late. Uh, next, what should be uh, one of the matches of the night uh, and that is uh, a tag team title match. The OTT tag titles are being defended in a six-man tag match, and that's the Kings of the North, who are 
the the one of the MVP acts of OTT defending against the team that are known as the Rapture, and that is Charlie Sterling, Shaw Samuels, and Zach Gibson. Um, I, I think oh, I can God. I think I can safely say, Jack, that we're all great fans of one Zach Gibson here on the show. Yeah, he's awesome. His China stories, like seriously, if you guys haven't it's heard it, it's fucking great. Or, it's so good. Oh, uh, <laughs> on on the. Uh, on Jim Smallman's podcast, Tuesday Night Jaw, telling the story of him working in China is just outrageous. Some of the things that happen over the course of them being over there for a month, I, I, th- I thoroughly recommend you go and dig that out. But yeah, I, I said to you straight away, Dave, when I saw this trio, I was like, in what world would a scouser, an East Ender, and a Tory all be best mates <laughs> and want a team together? Yeah, that's the, the gimmick is basically uh, Zach Gibson has started this stable to try and stamp out Irish wrestling and restore the traditions of British wrestling. Um, because, y- you know, Zach Gibson, Zach Gibson could he will turn any crowd against him instantly. He's that brilliant. There's a great promo everybody should look up about uh, that he cut on the Tivoli crowd about how they were all sitting around in their Bullet Club t-shirts when everybody knows their ma tucks them in a be- into bed at night in their John Cena pajamas. Uh, he is just <laughs> a fantastic man. And last month they kind of uh, laid out a couple of the young lads and they were like, uh, who you know, who in this company can stop us? And Kings of the North came out finally after many years of being the big scary heels and the company turning babyface to defend the, the company against these foreign invaders. And it goes to, sh- it, like, it really goes, it's, it's a testament to Zach Gibson and what how good he is at being a massive cunt that he can turn Kings of the North who come out one of whom Bonesaw wears a red glove to symbolize the red hand of Ulster, turn them baby face on a Dublin show. Uh, it's it, it, it's a work of art, what Gibson's managed to do. And I think this match will be absolutely crazy. Um, another six-man tag match. There's three six-man tag matches on this show, which I think is a little bit excessive for my, uh, my taste. But we've got the Bullet Club, which is the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull, versus Dalton Castle and the boys, which is a little bit kind of, I don't know about this one. What do you, I'm a little bit disappointed. It's just a a match you could see in Ring of Honor any old time, Uh, even though it it, it, like- Who are the boys? They, well, it, it is his proper, his his regular boys, as opposed to like- Oh, his regular boys. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, really, they should be using, Angel Cruz's boys. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it is going to be. As the boys. Yeah. On the, um, on the Belfast show, which happens the night after, we're getting the, sh- the the match I think everybody did want for this, which was Dalton Castle and the boys against Angel Cruz, uh, Be Cool and Team Prick, uh, which I think would be a, just an infinitely better comedy match. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Dalton Castle in Dublin, but. Um, it's one of those things that the Young Bucks, much as I enjoy their matches a lot of the time, I think once you've seen the the Young Bucks comedy stick a few times live, it gets a bit tiring. Would would you agree? Um, I, I guess so, but this, that mate, they're just the biggest thing in non WWE wrestling yeah, right now. Yeah, there is that's... no one bigger. Than oh yeah, the Young no, Bucks, absolutely, and. 
you kind of would say that you feel that way, but every time I've seen the Young Bucks, their matches are entertaining as hell. And like you could sit there and want to be as cynical as you like and go, oh, here they, here they are doing all their spots. But then they do all their spots. Everyone goes mad and mm-hmm. popping you every time because yeah. like, these guys, they're really good at what they do. It's a smart move, right, TT, to yeah. get them over there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to from, to from, come to the show. From a business point of view, it absolutely it absolutely makes sense. Um, they're they're going to bring in the people. Everyone's going to love it. And it's only the kind of minority of people who would watch an awful lot and have seen them kind of do the comedy stick an awful lot that would be kind of like, oh, we'd, we'd rather they kind of came in and did a serious match against X, Y, and Z or whatever. Like, But anyway, moving on. Uh, speaking of uh, six-man tags, the final six-man tag of the night, I think it's interesting what they're doing here. British Strong Style, Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate are going to be facing off against uh, three of OTT's contenders. So there's an OTT contenders show, which is kind of like all the young up-and-comers. There's like a good guts of a dozen kind of guys between the ages of about 16 and 24 who are just kind of starting to break through now. And um, they're doing a thing where at this contender show that's taking place this weekend, the the best three performers on the show are going to be put into a six-man tag with British Strong Style on the stadium show, which I think, uh, Mark, you'll probably agree, is great exposure and great experience for like really young and up-and-coming wrestlers. Yeah, although when was the last time British Strong Style wrestled in OTT in a match that wasn't British Strong Style in that formation. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been, it's been, oh God, it's been a long, long time. It's pretty much probably, God, was Pete Dunne's last singles match, him losing the title to Ryan Smile that long ago? Uh, I mean, I've not been to many OTT shows this year. But that's, that's, that's kind Man, of a lot of mistake like, that was. Yeah, outside of progress and outside of the WWE shows, it's rare enough nowadays that you'll see them in singles or tag matches. It usually will be uh, all of British Strong Style appearing in a six-man tag or something of that kind of ilk. Uh, but I suppose it's the the most interested I've been in a British Strong Style six-man in a while because mm-hmm. uh, I think this, like I said, could be really great exposure and experience for a bunch of young guys and for the kind of blow-ins that that only come for the big stadium shows that someone like the young books are on um they could go oh maybe we'll check out these locals on the the tivoli shows every month um it's a good way to kind of build the the local brand you know what i mean uh, and then finishing off before we move into uh, WWE for the rest of the show, uh, Mark Haskins defending his uh, NLW title against Jordan Devlin. And the the reason I bring that up, apart from the fact that it's the main event, is that I really think Jordan Devlin is having a low-key banger of a year. Um, he disappointed a lot of people in the, the UK tournament, the WWE UK tournament, but he's had um, a hell of a year since then. Um, a lot of really, really good matches against the likes of, uh, I don't know, um, we, uh, there was a match against Matt Riddle that was awesome. There was a match against David Starr that was awesome. There was a match against Moose that was awesome. Uh, he had a great match on an OTT contender show with Shane Strickland. And Shane Strickland actually yesterday put him over on Twitter as uh, the most improved wrestler he's seen all year. And coming from Shane Strickland, that's, that's pretty high praise indeed. Uh, but presumably this will be the, the crowning moment for Jordan Devlin, whose gimmick now is that he's the import killer. I think he's gone 12-0 and 0 against imports in the last year. Uh, so they're really doing a good job of, of building him up for that belt. But let's move on and talk about uh, the kind of the main thrust of why we're here. And that's WWE. It's Survivor Series weekend has just passed. Um, 
give me uh, as the weekend as a whole before we go into NXT and Survivor Series uh, impressions thumbs up thumbs down Jack I think it's a thumbs up right I mean there was enough stuff on here that over the course of the two shows for me to think that that was pretty damn good I mean there's always going to be bits and pieces that you want to skip but for the vast majority of the matches that were kind of billed as the big matches, there were moments in pretty much all of them that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, I'd probably go along with that, Mark. Um, yeah, it's fine. Um, like the the thing the thing with these the, like the big four it's so predictable. The thing is the the thing is with like the big four shows of the year is just there's just too fucking much like. SummerSlam is too goddamn long. Survivor Series is too goddamn, and WrestleMania, it goes without saying, is too goddamn long at this point. It's it's you know sheer quantity against quality. Uh, but the key thing is NXT bangs it out of the park every time, and that you know makes up for for the two and a half star bundle of matches that you get on on the main show. So, but yeah, thank you know. for uh, thank you for teeing up that uh, that excellent opportunity for a segue, Mark. We did start the weekend with NXT Takeover War Games. Um, the first match here, there's not really much to write home about. Um, Lars Sullivan defeating Cassius Ono. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll shoot to you on this. Um, is this kind of a, we're going from no real using of Cassius Ono, the former Chris hero, to using him now to sort of teach the younger guys they're trying to get over how to be convincing? And I think this probably was the best Lars Sullivan match I've seen thus I far. I mean, is, is anyone surprised that? Hero has been ended up being used as a guy to help the the younger or newer talent to to kind of hold together a five minute match. I don't think anyone's no. too surprised. It's disappointing because no, he could do he, more. Yeah, I think his real value in re-signing down there is uh, the wealth of experience and knowledge he will bring uh, by going out and wrestling people on the road that yeah. they're trying to get TV and, ready. And the the longer term prospects of you know post wrestling career because uh, yeah. you know, he'll be an agent for life if he wants it but it, this is fine like it's it's kind of the the way that these nxt shows are formatted is you usually start um either first or second with uh, a match with um a, a debutant or an up-and-comer against one of the more established guys or a gatekeeper role that's been kind of tight dillinger or mm. uh almas was that for a about six months and uh, uh tyler of, breeze was that for a little while yeah as well, yeah it? and then that's kind of it seems like it's going to be what here is at the moment but this was, was highly enjoyable uh lars is that big lug of a wrestler who uh he's just you know he's just a physical powerhouse but and he seems yeah. a bit more coordinated than you know your kind of mid-2000s lug powerhouse type wrestlers which yeah. is for, good for his for his level of experience, he's better than the likes of Braun or that were when he was relatively new on the scene, I think. Now, obviously, he's in there with Chris Hero, so he's going to look a million dollars. But, uh, yeah, of the kind of big lugs that they've brought around, he's, uh, he's there's a bit of promise to him. What do you think, Jack? The guy's chest has to be at least 62 feet wide, I think. <laughs> like... Yeah. he's just like a fucking wardrobe of a man um i i do i do enjoy it like the sheer spectacle of watching a big lad just absolutely hammer people around the ring and I, i've got to agree with all of mark's points on chris hero like he is just probably 
probably going to be that guy from now on. I don't think anyone really bought into him, even though he kind of had a bit more, um, a bit more of the physique that they'd want going the first time around when he was in the company. But no one seemed to want to buy into him as a guy that they were excited about, which, I mean, us three would probably think is crazy. But now as an enhancement guy, you're not going to find anybody better equipped in wrestling to, to figure out how to put a match together. And yeah, I, uh, as Mark said, I kind of see his future as an agent, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. if nothing else, uh, as long as I get to see hero throw an elbow every now and again, because there, there's no one I enjoy oh, more yeah. from a striking perspective than hero, uh, you know, like he's little kind of shiny heads where he, he yeah. like smacks Lars in the back of the head with an elbow. Uh, yeah. Like I, I want to see more. I'd like to see him do more. If this is the yeah. way it's going to be, then, you know, that's fine. Um, because if, he, if he's happy with that, that, I'm happy with that. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, if he's cool in his role, but if you want to see Pete Chris hero, who on just go watch super strong styles, 16, 2016, and just watch the matches he had in that. Cause the guy is an absolute workhorse, brilliant genius wrestler. Absolutely. Uh, moving on next to what I think might've been my favorite match of the weekend. And that was Alistair black defeating the Velveteen dream. Now to set the stage for this, the Velveteen dream, the former Patrick Clark, he, um, I was not sold on this character before TakeOver. I was like, kind of where uh, Mark was on it when we were talking about it. It's like, oh, he's doing Prince. He's he's like Prince slash Goldust, the wrestler. Um, yeah, I'm not wild about this. Apart from that one gif that's going around of him springing up behind Alistair Black during his entrance, which is just comedy perfection. Um, but this match was his real um, kind of just really made a statement and i just loved this match start to finish mark oh yeah like uh I, with you i wasn't sold on the velveteen dream i thought it was uh along the lines of uh, a no way jose or uh the, the drifter you know i just thought it was a gimmick that yeah. was dead on arrival um you but, mean monday night raw's the drifter yeah yeah i know right but <laughs> He, I, part of it was because it came across as like a, a knockoff Goldust ripoff, but with, you know, Prince, like heavily inspired by Prince. Um, and it, it did feel like there was a bit of the original Goldust angle with Razor Ramon, where there was a bit of a kind of homoerotic tendency or thing going on there, but. It like by the time the match came along, there was more of the Rick Rude side of uh, yeah, uh, Velveteen Dream's personality coming along, and it was more just about like there was a bit of like he wanted the respect and adulation of of yeah the Alistair the, the Black. say my name gimmick that yeah, he was doing, and it fucking worked. Like he came into the event and he was over, uh, and I you know Alistair Black has been probably the best pushed. Uh, acts they have in NXT at the moment. They really, like, they have just, it, it's been pretty much per pitch perfect booking since yeah. the start with him. But, you know, Bla uh, Dream was just as fucking over, if not more, during this match. And yeah. you know, he's still, I mean, he's only been wrestling for three years, so you can't criticize him this much for having a, a plus four star match, but he's yeah, I, I saw someone say he's he's actually had less than 200 matches in That's his career. fucking madness. But you can kind of see it. Like, he is still a little bit uncoordinated in some aspects his strikes are still a bit weak uh once he has all of that nailed down like he has got that character f 
fucking working flawlessly. Uh, and this match was just you know, a, a beautiful blend of, you know, the kind of typical WWE storytelling that they do, but with super cool indie moves at points. Uh, and just from beginning to end, like as, as a, a an undercard feud, which I think is actually the, the biggest issue I have with the main roster is all of their undercard feuds. Just there's nothing to them. Uh, this one from beginning to end has just been a work of art. Uh, and yeah, just a great match. Jack, your your thoughts on Black versus Dream. I mean, yeah, you've covered a lot of the things that I kind of felt. I just, it's such a simple story. And there are times when you wish that uh, the WWE could learn from things like this. The whole crux of this is that one man wants to earn the respect of another man. Uh, and he is kind of everything that Alistair Black isn't. So you can absolutely understand why Alistair Black would not even want to acknowledge this man's existence. Mm. But over the course of that 15, I think it was only 15 minutes, the match, like it just, it flew by. Uh, yeah, 14, he gradually. Oh, wow. Official times. Well done, sir. <laughs> uh, it, it, he gradually sort of wins the respect of, of, of Black and he wins the crowd over and Black is psychology in this match was perfect to just give the guy a bit of a rub to the point where as Mark says he was a lot more over at the end of this match than even he was going into it and yeah just the, the end moment of, of saying that he's going to live in infamy and then and then finally saying his name and, and, and the way Velveteen Dream sold it it's just little things like that where if you can get people to buy weight or the seriousness of as simple as one man wins another man's respect and you do it correctly, then it has real meaning and real value. And yeah, from start to finish, the full package of build up and match was executed perfectly. And to me, this is pro wrestling 101, um, but executed so well that you just can't help but love it. And I, I don't know if it was my favorite match of the weekend, but it, it was probably my favorite moment when he said his name. I, I was just so, so well done. And uh, yeah, Alistair Black is just fucking, is, as a package, he's great. And he I, I just hope they don't screw him up at any point because <laughs> they're doing such a good job right now. Yeah. And I have a feeling that we'll be talking a lot later about uh, NXT act gone to the main roster that haven't gone so well. Um, but we'll stick with you, Jack, for the next match. And that was the to, to decide the the vacant NXT women's title, the fatal four-way that saw Ember Moon defeat Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, and Peyton Royce. Um, I thought, before I hand off to you, Jack, I thought this was a pretty good match. Not great, not on kind of the, the high bar that has been set uh, for women's matches in NXT by the likes of uh, Sasha and Bailey and, and Asuka's run. Um, but... Uh, good nonetheless and I think I wasn't I, there was no one who would have won this match that would have made me mad but I think I, I don't know if you said this Jack but between Twitter and the building there that night people were really ready for a Peyton Royce title run uh, are you serious yeah oh dude well I like I'm a big fan of the act uh, the iconic duo I'm a massive fan uh, but she got like a, a huge pop coming out and uh, Twitter was definitely all on board for a, a Peyton Royce win here but I suppose Ember Moon probably the 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 kind of the the one you would have expected to win this match yeah I was gonna say I think other than maybe the black match this is the most obvious outcome of any match you know they've been building her up this entire time 
yeah. had some absolutely incredible matches with Asuka, and it, it just seemed like kind of straightforward to me that they were going to put her over here. Like, and Kyrie um, Sane as well. Like, she is one of those people who is going to be a big star for them, but it was yeah. a little bit too soon. Peyton, I just don't. I don't know what it is, but I just don't have that same level of um, of adulation that you have for her, Dave. Yeah, I think I, she's I did, really I, good, but... I, I didn't for a while, but then, like, I've gotten back in the last few months to watching NXT every single week, and that act, her and Billy Kay, I, I just, they're brilliant. They're absolute fucking goofs, but they're brilliant. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I, I kind of haven't really seen that much of it. So, I mean, I only really watch the, the bigger shows of NXT. So yeah. that's probably more on me than it is on the general public. And Nikki Cross is kind of like, I just don't feel like she's someone that they're ever going to do anything with. So I kind of do feel a little bit sorry for her when she's away from Sanity. and uh, Because I think Sanity is still a really great act, but Nikki Cross on her own doesn't really have it but can we talk about the finishing of this match and the the, 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 what, the double eclipse the double eclipse i mean that is an absolute spectacle of a move how awesome did that look that, that I, I am still i think i said it the last time we talked about ember moon i am still astonished at the hit rate she has with that move that she hasn't on any big show missed it by a mile um it is it's it's just a spectacular finish uh what did what did you make of this match mark it was uh, of the the nxt women's matches this year possibly the weakest or um the one with the the, the least amount of investment in it uh i feel they've made a bit of a mistake by it seems weird to say put mistake put in the belt on ember moon but i think that because they did such a great job with her um, with the match with uh, Asuka. And it, again, kind of like Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black, she got over more from that match by losing. The issue is that they didn't really capitalize on it. And I think part of that is just timing because they had the, the May Young Classic afterwards. Um, I do think it was probably better if they'd put the belt on maybe a Peyton Royce and then had Emma Moon chase to to give that kind of rather is it is it kind of your feeling that like maybe the 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 woman who proved that even though she got over in defeat she proved by being beaten twice by Asuka that she didn't like she wasn't at, on Asuka's level then just as soon as Asuka's gone she immediately takes the title yeah and like if she'd won it in maybe a one-on-one -on -one match and maybe they'd really amped up just how fucking uh, devious, you know, the iconic duo are. Um, yeah. I think maybe that might have been more effective, but they've gone with the, the route they've gone with. Um, Emma Moon is still a great worker, not a great talker. Um, I very much am looking for, like, they could do one-on-one -on -one matches with each of these three women, and I would like to see them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I definitely think she should hold the belt till Mania, which gives... Um, I don't know, maybe two or three championship matches. They they could do two on TV, one at the Rumble. Um, so I don't know. You know, uh, I figured at some point the belt was going to go on Emma Moon. I yeah, I probably would have gone with Peyton Royce as well. Um, but I don't know. I, we'll see how it goes. But this yeah, this was probably the the weakest 
NXT TakeOver Women's Match of the Year, but there has been a pretty high standard. So Yeah, it wasn't bad by any no, stretch. By absolute no means. By, by no means was it a bad match. Um, the NXT title match uh, came up next, and that Who saw... Who the Andra- fuck saw this one coming? Oh my word, my friends. This saw... what The man who might be my most improved wrestler of 2017, in terms of the act itself, anyway. Andrade Cien Almas win the NXT title by defeating Drew McIntyre in just about 15 minutes. And uh, I, I, I'm going to shoot to Jack right here. Uh what did you think of this match? I, I I really enjoyed it, and I am all in on Andrade Cien Almas this year. Yeah, I think uh, adding Zelina to him has taken him to another level as well. Oh, it really has. She's brilliant. Yeah. She she absolutely is. That's just giving him that little bit of a rub. He kind of didn't feel like he had a direction for a while, but you just watch his matches, and uh, as I've sort of followed him, his journey through the takeovers, he's just getting better and better, and he he's really got confident you can tell that there's a real me behind everything that he's doing and the re- he's really bought into his, his character Zelina by his side just at next level that kind of potential burgeoning star thing now so be interested to see what they do with the title run with him and then who they're building up to forget next big show yeah um Mark, to, to kind of get your impressions of this one, give me give me your impressions on uh, Almas since the I think most people would agree that the, the heel turn was his first big turning point. And then, as Jack just said there, adding Zelina Vega to this act really put it over the top. Uh, talk to me about what you think of him of late. And also, um, maybe it's been a little bit of a disappointing title reign from Drew McIntyre as well. Uh, so... I mean, one thing I have enjoyed is the people saying, hey, he's doing a knockoff Naito gimmick. (laughs) Um, Now, I'm not the biggest expert when it comes to Mexico, but... um, You don't have... uh, I can verify that in your room, you don't have uh, oceans of Sombra tapes. I don't, no. um, But I am more than aware... you should. (laughs) I am more than aware that he is kind of the original incarnation or part of the original incarnation of Los Ingobernables. So, um, yeah... Uh, for those people come on now but yeah basically they've just let him be that that kind of original version of him he has gone tranquilo um and adding uh selena selena uh to the act is it's kind of necessary because he's obviously not the strongest english speaker um he has improved over the last year which i think is just by proxy of you know being in an english-speaking country um but i like the kind of the little bit of English, then going into Spanish, uh, I, I like that act. Uh, I think the pair of them together, yeah, it's definitely helped raise his game. And, I mean, I don't think, like, work rate-wise, there's any kind of great difference. It's just there's there's the character and the presence and a push, which... Yeah, it's, 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 kind, of, it's kind of clicked. Yeah. It's all confidence. You can tell he really has that extra level of confidence in himself. Yeah, and I think it's just because he's just he feels more like comfortable as a heel, uh, I think is is a large portion to do with it. He's just naturally like in, in a kind of Guerrero kind of way, he's just naturally got that aura about him. Um and yeah, so in and for the whole Drew McIntyre thing, I mean the, his run as champ wasn't that long, so it's kind of hard not to have a disappointing reign. Uh, mm. I, I think I don't know if it was confirmed, but I mean, usually the way it is is if you drop the belt, it's because you're getting called up, 
and how unfortunate yeah. uh, the the events surrounding the end of that match. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so Drew holds his arm on the um, what's the name of of Andrade's finish? But it, it well, I, I don't know if that was the exact because it was just like a, an elevated DVD slash like it was a fucking terrifying move. It, uh, it yeah, it was it was like it was a, it was an avalanche implant DDT. It was almost what, a brain buster, you know. Yeah, what what looked move. like what looked like happened was um, Drew uses his arms to hold himself up on the ropes to kind of get in position to drop, but. Uh, he released his right arm and as the as kind of Almas puts him down for the DDT, he didn't let go of the rope with his left arm. And th- I don't think there's official confirmation has come out yet, but it, it, it a lot of people were saying it looked like a full bicep tear. Four to six months on the shelf is is what we're hearing. I think is it called the Hammerlock DDT? It it could well be. It could I mean, well be. That's probably like the official name. I imagine it has yeah. some gimmicky name. Now, the, the one thing about that is, if he was meant to get caught up, and if it is four months, um, stretching to five, like that could have him time either back for Mania, but more likely it'll be like the night after. Like the they always have like the one person who debuts on Raw, so I'm guessing that's probably where he'll end up showing up now. Um, which may actually be a better thing for him because if he got called up, fuck knows what they would do with him between now and Mania. I, I, I yeah, think he'd I, immediately I, get lost for, in the shuffle. Yeah, with the Royal Rumble coming up, um, I don't think for the men, anyway, we'll talk probably a little bit about the women that are after debuting this week. Uh, but for the men with a 30-man Royal Rumble coming up, I don't know if this is the best time because the, the WrestleMania card will already be pretty much decided. I think a lot of people would prefer to be coming up right after wrestlemania during that reset period or doing like a, a rusev Remember rusev debuted in the royal rumble and then went away for ages and they teased his his arrival and he didn't show up then for a long time after that um but yeah i, I drew is one of those guys where it, it like you get those guys in nxt every so often where you think to yourself why the why the fuck are they there you know they, they should be up on the main roster particularly with drew who you know has already been on the main roster in WWE. Um, but I imagine I can see him like going to SmackDown right after. I'm, I will be really curious. The, the thing with Drew, I do wonder if there is an element of he works better as big fish in a small pond because he does have the size, which definitely does did make him stand out on the indies. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a solid worker. I don't think he is like a, a you know, once in a lifetime of phenomenal oh, work sir, by any means. Sir, I just checked it up uh, out of curiosity. He has named that Hammerlock DDT La Sombra. Okay. Oh, sure. Which is his original like gimmick name. So, yeah. okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's like the greatest worker by any means. Like, I don't think he had any true standout blowaway matches on, on his indie run. Um, but he, just by his sheer size, he stood out. And, you know, that also works for him in nxt he's i think by far probably the the one of the tallest uh members of, of the roster and immediately when he goes up to the main roster that isn't going to stand out as much um yeah. and so just because he's not like he's a solid talk he's just he's a solid all-rounder and i yeah. don't think that is enough um like even someone like uh i don't know uh 
we'll go with Sami Zayn, who is he's a fine talker, not the greatest, but he's solid. He's such a damn good wrestler that he could easily get over most merits, but because they don't decide to push on that, then he's hindered. Um, and yeah, I just I just don't think like like Bobby Roode at the moment isn't remarkable in any in any one area other than his theme song. And I don't think that's going to be enough. So I, 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 I'm concerned for Drew when he does actually get up to the main roster. Jack, uh, the the main event of NXT TakeOver was the Triple Threat War Games match that saw the Undisputed Era, which is uh, still a terrible name. Uh, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly defeating uh, Roderick Strong and the Authors of Pain and Sanity. Uh, Alexander Wolf, Eric Young and Killian Dane. This match was about 35, 40 minutes long. Um, what did you think of this one? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, this was the best kind of clusterfuck. Uh, yeah. There was just people getting busted open. All over. There was just some absolutely brutal stuff. Authors of Pain were just fucking fantastic when they were in full flow and when they got oh, into speaking the match. Of, speaking of improved action 2017, news. like. Yeah, do you know what? Authors of Pain are, are still really, really good. Uh, they have to be close to getting up to that main roster. Yeah, you'd think. Um, and yeah. I got to say, when I saw that Roddy was was partnering with them, I was <laughs> like, wow, they, they really didn't have a clue who to put with the authors of Pain. So they were just like, <laughs> ah, fuck it. We'll give it to Strong. Uh, but Strong, he was great in this match as well. Obviously, you have a pretty good chemistry with uh, the likes of the Undisputed Era. Uh, having probably wrestled them a billion times in ROH and stuff over the years. Um, Sanity were in this match as well. And I, I thought Killian in particular from Sanity, maybe it's just because I'm biased because I, I really like him, uh, got over pretty good as well. Uh, but yeah, this this match essentially was to, to build the Undisputed Era and to just build up Adam Cole as an absolute asshole but also being kind of the real deal at the same time. And I think it kind of achieved that, uh, especially when he was trying to sneak out of the cage, when it was made very clear to everybody that uh, if you were leaving the cage, you would be eliminated from the match. So I just thought like a little moment like that, where he just sort of flashed being a heel was pretty damn cool. Uh, and yeah, the, uh, the the shining wizard that he hit to, to win the match was pretty goddamn brutal as well. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it, guys. I don't know about you. It, it was yeah. maybe a little bit overlong, but there was a lot of good stuff in there. I, I think yeah. it was genuinely impressive that all nine wrestlers like managed to have their moments, had their bits of shine. Like They all ha- stood out for me, you know, uh, and easily you could have one or two get lost in the shuffle, but I think each person in that match played their part uh which i was uh, pleasantly surprised by um i will say this so there was a lot of people complaining that it wasn't a, a kind of quote-unquote traditional war games style match and now for me not growing up watching nwa wcw or even mid 90s wcw i don't have an affinity for war games um i don't really think any of the three of us probably do um not <laughs> except excuse me russo's revenge war games up. 2000 my friend uh, just, just no <laughs> um but certainly for the the early incarnation of war games the real kind of dusty era war games like none of us grew up watching yeah. that so like for people complaining that this wasn't traditional war games no it wasn't and i don't really care what this was was just a fucking 
car crash of a match in the good way of a car crash of the match. And yeah, I, it was a bit long. I do think the ending was a bit anticlimactic because of just, a, you know, some of the moves that were done in the match. But I, I was on board with it. I enjoyed it. Mark, would it stun you to know that that match was three minutes longer than the men's Survivor Series tag team match the following night? Um, because you, it felt about half as long. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we'll, we'll talk about that. We will get to that. <laughs> Uh, but I think also, like, because um, we don't have blood, when there is blood now these days, because it's hard way, you're like, oh, no, these guys are actually beating the shit out of each other. Uh, and there was a couple of uh, couple of gentlemen in this match that didn't leave unscathed. And poor Alexander Wolf. <laughs> Alexander Wolf got beaten to death. <laughs> oh, there's, a great, yeah. there's a great screenshot on Twitter of the part where, like, he's just slumped under the ropes with his arms over his head, bleeding from both the front, like, from his face and the back of his head. And someone's like, back someone, should, head re- someone oh. should really check on him. <laughs> Funnily enough, a top rope German two suplex uh through a table could end in uh injury and unfortunately yeah. yeah that man is an absolute like in all the sanity matches this year uh wolf is like he's not getting the praise he deserves for being such a workhorse and taking an absolute beating yeah, uh, yeah. by the is, way of all he the is in the in the christian role a... of that act in like taking an absolute pounding in all the stiff matches don't you think of all the moves that you could take a backdrop off the top rope in any format, be it like German or just a straight up like backdrop is the worst. You are flying backwards yep, yep. like 10 feet through the air with no means of knowing whether you are going to land safely or not. Absolutely terrifies me know, every Shane time I see people do that. Shane McMahon stuck the landing, mate. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, but he no sold a helicopter crash. <laughs> so did. fucking, there is no anything. The, the there, one thing, I, the one thing I want to ask the pair of you. So there were, there have been talks that they're going to make this an annual thing, a la Hell in a Cell TLC. And I feel like I already know the answers because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what your feelings are towards the fact that these are annual events and not have the match when there should be the match. Yeah. Is this uh, is this a, a necessary thing to do? Uh, I don't I don't think it's necessary. I like the idea of there being a cool uh, feud ending stip match. That's kind of a special thing to NXT. You know what I mean? Like it's very rare that you get a cage match or any sort of match like that in NXT. So it's nice that War Games is something special for uh, NXT. But like you said, I, I really don't like the idea that every year they're going to have to contrive some match just to have in war games i like the way it used to be where something like a war games or something like hell in a cell would only come up as the proper end to a blood feud type of match i Uh, don't care i just will happily watch one of these a year because i enjoyed this match yeah i will i will say this like um the the hell in a cell matches um certainly of the last couple of years because there's only two wrestlers they like if you've got nine wrestlers in that double ring cage like the, just by the sheer proxy of the environment it's hard not to have chaos uh, so i think that will overcome the the limitations of doing a, a garbage style match or whatever in 2017 2018 on modern wwe so uh, and i think just having like nine wrestlers um means that there will be interesting combinations and i you know yeah. i I, th- I think it could be interesting each year yeah um but i, I still don't think it's necessary 
Uh, moving on to the Sunday and the the main event. Before that, uh, I, I have a question for the pair of you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so there's going to be a Marine Six. Now I want <laughs> oh, the pair yes. of you to uh, have a guess at who the three stars of Marine Six will be. Uh, Mike Mazzano, Gary Busey. Uh, <laughs> Dave was correct on one. Damn, of the two of us, I was really hoping Jack would be correct. <laughs> if you just said one of you is correct, I, I would have prayed that it was Busey. Um, Lana? Did you get excited about Gary Busey? Uh, Lana, Lana. Lana is oh, incorrect. Rusev, then. Unfortunately, as much... Oh, my God. Rusev. <laughs> how he does it. Like, he's, he's only... Uh, what was the film with Dolph Ziggler? Oh, the one where he super kicks the gun out of Rusev's hand. Yeah, I mean that's that's the, the best thing. Like Rusev at that moment is the best thing that's ever happened in a WWE produced film. Um, yeah, but no, not not Rusev. I'd love it if he just went into a fight, just shouting Rusev Machka, Rusev Crush. Um, like, what was I right on Lana or wrong? No, you was wrong. Ah, because they usually is there one woman? There is a woman. Yes. Okay. Is it Naomi? It's not Naomi. No. Okay. Oh, we both guessed the same thing there. Ah, oh, um, hit me with it. Uh, so on the male side, you have the Miz, and you have yeah. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Hopefully, he will play the part of Miz's dad. And on the female side, you have Becky Lynch. Really? Yeah. Sure. In my, in my head, I was like, I wonder about Becky, maybe, and then. But in my head, I was like, oh, no, because the, there was that thing that came out about Kevin Dunn hating her voice. So why would Which like it, it, why would uh, they nominate her to be in a film? But fair play for Becky. You know, it's going to be a terrible movie. Because they're trying to get rid of her no for doubt. like a few months of filming. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Dunn's like, can we just ship her off to a movie, please? <laughs> um, wow, that's that's going to be a bad movie. I'm not doing anything with her. Uh, no, Have you guys seen the they, original they, Marine? Oh. She... Uh, she got pretty badly fucked up in the attack from Ruby Riot and the other girls on on SmackDown last night, so that might be her written out for said movie. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll talk about Survivor Series now and wait. You'll have to wait for a future episode of this show where we will do an in depth review of the Marine Six. Um, Survivor Series 2017 opened with the Shield, uh, their first pay per view match back i would have said their first match back as a whole unit but they gave away their actual return two weeks ago on raw for no reason um the shield defeating the new day in uh in 20 minutes i i enjoyed this match quite a lot what do you think mark yeah this was uh, uh very long um yeah and parts of the match weren't particularly interesting but mm-hmm. once it picked up is yeah this is this is a good match um if we're going to compare it to some of the the, the original run of the Shield six man tags, like obviously the, the the clear one that everyone goes back to is uh, is them and the White family. Uh, I don't think this was yeah. good as that, but this was yeah, this was good. And uh, Xavier Woods lifting Biggie on his shoulders uh, was not something I was expecting to see. <laughs> um, I don't think the the end result was really ever in doubt. And uh, yeah, like. The New Day have had a really good year uh, where I, I feel that some people were kind of tired of the act and that's a reasonable thing to, to have. 
um, but they've they've kind of turned it around by just having a really good in ring year, and uh, and yeah, and, you know, yeah, this was fine. Jack, uh, what did you think of this? I really enjoyed this match. This is two teams that are, are massively over with the fans. So in a, in if anything, it's just a perfect opening match to have on the show. You've got two acts that people really enjoy, potentially for different reasons, and they loved everyone in the match except Roman Reigns, who they hated. They hated him so much, and they still do. <laughs> yeah. um, that's got to be frustrating. I, I thought the spot where you had um, the two guys on, on his shoulders and, and Reigns hits the spear was, like, fucking awesome. And, like, that got a big pop before everyone remembered that they hate Roman Reigns and then <laughs> went back to hating Roman Reigns again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it kind it's, of, it's just of... a lot of fun. When he does cool stuff, it reminds me, do you remember that one time where Cena came back from his neck injury at the Royal Rumble and won it? And he yeah. came at number 30 and everyone went berserk in Madison Square Garden. They were so happy to see him. And then as soon as he got in the ring to wrestle, they just started booing him again. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much Roman Reigns. Like every time he wrestles, they're like, we love the shield, but we don't like you. Uh, the poor guy. Um yeah, I don't really have much to add to this, only that uh, yet again, there was another uh, scary moment with Big E doing his suicide dive where I thought he was going to land on the top of his head. Um, please, please, E, stop. I don't want to watch you die on pay-per-view. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on to the next match, we had the Women's uh, Survivor Series elimination match. Um, that's our Team Raw win with uh, Asuka being the sole survivor. Um this was a bit of a mess at points, Jack. It, yeah, it was. But again, this is another one of those things where if the sole focus of this match is to get over, then they they accomplished. Uh, they got there, managed to get Naya out, so they kind of protected her as well. So even though it was a little bit all over the place, Still, it kind of did what it, it needed to do really and, and achieved what they were looking to achieve from it there's there's not an awful lot of, of really memorable moments from it but it just it women's wrestling has really come on a lot in the wwe so yeah. you know to be kind of half disappointed by a match that was pretty damn solid and had some good moments in it like you know you think in years gone by before this you had some terrible matches so i don't really have a lot of negativity about this uh, but I, again it didn't particularly blow me away yeah and i think once they got down to the three versus two where it was asuka and sasha against i believe it was uh carmella tamina and natty uh, i think they they did very well from there on out to, to book asuka the way asuka should be booked uh killing the rest sure. of them um there was a Mark, kick um, that she hit in this match who was it on oh but it was like oh. it was like a sickening kick to the head of somebody. I think it might have been Carmella, but I I, I wouldn't be sure. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I was it... just like, oh yeah, okay, that's it. <laughs> um, Mark, moments that echo through history: Andre Hogan, Austin Rock, Tamina Nia Jax. <laughs> <laughs> How did you enjoy this? Hey, match? if you can't admire that ambition, then there's there's something wrong with you. Look, I'm I'm <laughs> not true. gonna lie. My only interest in this match uh, was would Asuka be the sole survivor, and they ticked that box. So for me, this was a great success. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of matches uh, where I have very little interest, um, Baron Corbin defeating The Miz. 
I have literally nothing to say about this, except it was marginally better than the complete piss break match I was expecting it to be. Mark. Uh, I have even less to say. Jack? Jack, uh, Jack, Jack warned us in pre-production that he had a take on this match. So the floor is yours, my friend. Well, wait, you know how you always call him, like, but was it ba- Barry Breakfast? or Big Breakfast <laughs> Banter. Big, big, he's a big, big breakfast, uh, beach ball yeah. Corbin, big Barry Banter. The list goes on. Right, so I thought it would be... (laughs) I thought it would be a cool idea, basically, because this match kind of wasn't great, and I didn't want to be negative, so I thought I would come up with... You know, you guys are kind of fun, like, with your nicknames, so I thought I would come up with 10 (laughs) potential nicknames for Barry Corbin. (laughs) Fine. New ones. Jack, right, I, have, okay. I, have, I have not heard any of these, but already this is more entertaining than the match was. So have at it. Right. right. So nickname one is uh, Brimming Barry Breadbasket. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I think it says it all right there. You're going to have to go uh, a hell of a long no- way to top this. So, okay, carry on. N- nickname number two uh, is the Bazaring Ram. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> You could market him as that. Here comes the buzzering ram. I don't know. Uh, nickname number three, uh, Bleeding Barry Bollocks. <laughs> That's his British gimmick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's very important that the bleeding is I-N apostrophe. Of course. Because, absolutely. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's uh, an character. It probably was at some stage. So um, if you wanted to give him like a drifter, kind of more sensitive type of character you could go bury the bashful barista and he could come out with coffee and shit like you get a tie-in with starbucks and like fucking sponsorships man oh jesus uh, wept so number five speaking of that guy is Obers jesus uh just because you know it's a popular phrase in ireland but jesus but baz jesus i don't know um so number six, uh, you know, if you wanted to go a little bit more down the sort of boogeyman, gross out type route, we've got Band-Aid Barry Bath Boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, Vince McMahon was really into draws as puke. So I figured at some stage you could just, you know. Uh, so number seven is, is kind of sad, but accurate. It's the Ballad of Balding Bow. Um, <laughs> a little bit thin on the top. So, you know, just own it, man. Like, just own it with your name. Uh, number eight, there's not an awful lot of uh, subtlety to this one. So it's a bastard Barry Ballbag. Um, <laughs> and he's just an absolute cunt. He just comes out and it's just really horrible to everybody. And it's yeah, he like, oh, really it's that bastard. his gimmick for that one. That's the handy part. No, it's, it's that bastard Barry Ballbag, you know, <laughs> who knows? Uh, so number eight. It's very important that after the name Barry, we have a colon here. So it's Barry, colon, the bouncing bazooka. So he's kind of finishing move. He switches up as like a jumping, like arrowed dropkick, I see. Uh, and then number 10, quite simple, really. It's Barry, bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's Barry, comma, bitch, double exclamation mark is also very important. Thank you for your gift, my friend. <laughs> I'm glad we could do this. 
oh, now I'm finally glad that that match happened, which I was not before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, I'll give uh, Jack a couple of minutes off after his performance there and switch to Mark while we talk about the uh, the non-title Raw versus SmackDown tag team match, Usos versus The Bar. Right, you ready for my 10 nicknames for Sheamus? No. Uh, so, <laughs> the Great White, I obviously. Um, Shambo. Yeah, Shambo. Uh, anyway, yeah, this was against... I never, I never noticed that his theme song starts with, it's a shameful thing. Like, there was why actually, didn't they just say, it, there's it's a, a Sheamus thing, surely would have been better. His, his his new theme song that doesn't have lyrics is not nearly as good as that old one was but there's um in a brief aside before Mark continues talking about the match um there's an episode of WWE Ride Along on the network that has uh, Seamus and Cesaro on it where <laughs> Cesaro attempts to confirm what we all have suspected for years that the lyrics involve the words it's a shameful thing lobster head and the phrase too many limes too uh, many limes <laughs> He says those words, but sadly, uh, that's not the Too case. Many lines. <laughs> that's actually a great episode of that show. That uh, is, but... I, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> uh, Mark, Ms. Bar, or the Usos Bar. So, um, Ms. Bar. Ms. Bar. <laughs> yeah, well, that was about. Uh, so, the, the Usos promo before the match was great. Uh, Usos have definitely come out uh, this year as being one of the best just personalities, uh, best acts. Uh, and they've also been uh, probably, I don't know, maybe the most consistent uh, acts or the wrestlers th- this year, you know? Um, like, every match they knew, they just killed it. Uh, this was a great match. Uh, probably my favorite match on the show. Uh, yeah, like, uh, they had definitely gotten to a point where people had definitely gotten sick of the, their face run and, you know, definitely... Um, a case where a heel turn was needed and uh yeah they've just they've just been killing it all year and this was was great i mean you know uh this is the most interested i've ever been in sheamus i think him and cesaro have really come together uh as a, a great tag team um i you know still would like to see more with cesaro in a singles role but whatever i'll take what i can get um yeah this is this was just uh this was a good time Absolutely. Uh, Jack, what do you think of this match? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I uh, I just... The, the Usos are fucking cool, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if, if I could be, like, one of a tag team in WWE at the moment, I'd be one of the Usos. Those guys are just fucking badass, man. Do you, do you, know, I, who's, I, do you know who's not cool? That'd be the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> Pound yeah. shot gain. Yeah. Yeah, that's, let, let's let's not go there. But also, I, I, you know, as somebody that watches, again, mainly pay-per-views, I'll catch a, a, a kind of segment for Raw. Does anyone ever explain why Sheamus and Cesaro are known as the bar? Uh, because they set the bar for tag teams. Oh, right. I see. So like that's that's why they say that's that's why they say and let me put on my exaggerated Irish accent for Sheamus. We are the bar. All oh, right. So if you're better than the bar, then you're you're the, the best. Basically. Yeah, that, that's. I think their catchphrase, Mark, unless I'm wrong, is something like we don't just set the bar; yeah, we, we are, are the, the bar. bar. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. we are the bar. Uh, I just want to say, by the way, as well. Oh uh, right, okay. I, I just checked the just checking the highlights of SmackDown. Uh, Jack, you would not believe what the Bludgeon Brothers finisher is. <laughs> 
go ahead. It's uh, it's uh, it's high times. It's it's high not time. it it it's not quite. It's the, uh, it's enough for me to go. It's high times. Yeah, it's not the 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 double choke slam high times that uh that. And that, in fairness, uh, the, there, there are it was it's 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 the holding them up in the it's the holding the dude up in the crucifix position and then dropping him. It's much worse than a double choke slam. And in fairness, those outfits aren't too dissimilar to to some of the fucking get ups Chronic would wear in the mm-hmm. into in the Indeed. year two thousand. Chronic. <sighs> yeah. It's, I think that someone should get Chronic back, but then everybody thinks Chronic well, is Chronic, and then a they, couple they, of dudes come out. They're, they're, that would be hard. I think they're both dead, aren't they? That would be correct, yes. <laughs> wow, are they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's completely huh? shit on my dreams. <laughs> I was about to book the Chronic in like a six-month run to, to-, to jump over the bar or pole vault over the bar, oh, if man, you will. What, what we needed was the return of Adam Bomb and Chains. <laughs> <laughs> dude seriously man i was about to book that shit you guys don't even know oh, I, sorry, I might not be able to continue <laughs> I'm, I'm really sad now you're throwing up the x um I'm throwing up the x and yeah uh we had a non-title uh battle of the women's champions then with charlotte flair defeating alexa bliss in 15 minutes i don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about this um alexa bliss is a fantastic character but her her wrestling has kind of been at least a progress and it has been quite a bit behind uh her character development it's but just been i do think i yeah i do think she is slowly getting better and better she is at the point at the point now where she's fine and can have some good matches i think this is one of her better singles matches what do you think of this match mark yeah i, I think it's just the case of um it depends who she's in the ring with um and you know charlotte is is one of the better wrestlers on the roster and you always have to remember as well that charlotte is still uh, she's got a few years now but she's still compared to some of the 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 other wrestlers around she's pretty inexperienced like she's like one of the most successful performance center wrestlers they have um Mm -hmm. although i have no idea what alexa bliss is i know she was just cheerleader but i don't know how much yeah she was uh she she had no experience she was a cheerleader i think she was a bodybuilder as well Uh, of course she was yeah yeah, she, I'm she's... pretty sure Alexa Bliss is Cockney Ryman slang for piss. Like, <laughs> it just feels right. Like, oh, mate, uh, I need to go take an Alexa Bliss. Like, you would know straight away what someone's intention was if they said that to you. But here's the thing, right? So, like, as a character, uh, and for what they, they... They clearly have a lot of investment in her because she's been champion on either brand more or less the whole time she's been up. Um... And yeah, I, she was the she was the first woman to hold both women's titles. Yeah, and I still don't think she's had that blow away match to truly justify it. But she's such a good personality that she can kind of make up for it. Uh, yeah. Some ways, like the Miz, although Miz has had some good matches. Um, but yeah, again, like nothing truly blow away about this. Um, I'm surprised that. Uh, well, I'm not surprised that they put the belt on Charlotte 
um, because I just don't think they wanted to do the heel versus heel thing again. But I am surprised that they put the belt on her in the fashion that they did. I figured they would kind of build that up a bit more, make yeah. something of it. I, I think I think they were just tempted on the back of the the ESPN documentary and the fact that SmackDown was in Charlotte. Yeah, sure. And that they wanted a babyface versus heel, that they kind of rushed it along. And now she's the second woman to have held both women's titles. Yeah. Um, but um, I will say I'm not, confident about the the aspect of a, a page versus alexa bliss match i don't think that would be very good uh i think it'll, i think it'll be okay I, I i don't think it'll be great i think because presumably we'll, we'll talk a little bit about at the end about page returning um i think page's better matches will be once she beats alexa bliss i think there's a few people she could have a very interesting match with um on that raw roster at the moment but um yeah i just yeah, I, the, I think the fact that we've got m- more things to talk about than the actual match itself kind of says everything about the match mm-hmm. absolutely so we'll we'll move on from that and talk about jack i want to talk i want to start you off talking about this next match you want to talk about uh a negative becoming a positive until about a week ago we thought we were going to have to suffer through brock lesnar jinder mahal look i was and... morbidly curious right. <laughs> and then shock of shocks AJ Styles wins the WWE title, beats Jinder Mahal, and we end up with Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles. Talk to me about this art. This was awesome. You know, if someone told you there was going to be a Brock versus AJ match, you'd probably think New Japan is where it would have happened. (laughs) Like, you never in a million years would have thought that WWE would have backed uh, yeah. AJ with, to be the yeah. one that was going to take on Brock with, with, in any both, sort of serious fashion. Yeah, with both of them as world champions as well. Uh, exactly. But you know what? This is the most energized I've seen Brock have a match for a long time. Like, he was so up for this one. Like, and Heyman as well was doing a great job getting AJ kind of over as like a real credible threat of like, oh my God. you know, this veteran in the business. Paul has been, did you see uh, Paul's, uh, I think it was on the internet afterwards he cut. Yeah, a, a it thing. was uh, on the website where he cuts the promo about how basically a, it, like, you can't be a fan of professional wrestling and not love AJ Styles. Oh my God, it was Shawn amazing. Michaels and Ric Flair rolled into one and better. It was just like that guy. You can always tell from Paul and Brock uh, between Paul's promos and how Brock acts in the ring, whether they really like the guy or not. And they, uh, as Jack hit the head on there, they really, really like AJ. I mean, it's hard not for Brock to like him because AJ sold like a mother for this man. Oh my God, some of those, Jack, some of those released German suplexes at the start of the match because there was a good five minutes where this match was a sound thrashing. Um, some of those released German suplexes were brutal. Yeah, AJ got some freaking hang time on it. I'm pretty sure he might still be in midair. <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of the Brock match pattern, though. But I, I like it in a way because it is very UFC to to have someone like Brock come out and just absolutely throw bombs and and throw a guy around the ring and just generally be an a brutish motherfucker um but then ufc bouts you kind of get that slow down and then it gives the match like a real decent pace like you know that's what you're going to get from a brock match um and then after that like i mean particularly the the submission the calf crusher that aj put him in like the way that Brock sold that, like I, I think going into that submission, 
there's probably nobody in that building that thinks AJ is getting anything on Brock. And then like halfway through the way Brock was selling, everybody starts buzzing like fuck. Like AJ could tap out Lesnar here. Like this yeah, could legitimately happen. The pop for that calf crusher was unreal. Exactly. Like I, so to have that is a mark of how good AJ is and, and how much Brock and, and Paul even a bit would, would have respected him to, to give him that moment in that match that, and, and just make it feel like as credible as you can get. It's, it's pro wrestling's about sus suspension of disbelief, right? It, that That's what it's about. And in that moment, you're genuinely thinking this, you know, redneck guy from Georgia who doesn't top six foot could be possibly the most genetically superior athlete we've ever seen in the WWE. Like, that's why I love wrestling. Moments like that is just really, really cool. And yeah, this is a great match executed perfectly. All three men that were involved were great professional wrestlers. We've said in it, their roles. We, I think it's been said everywhere, um, and it has to be said here as well. You know, Brock Lesnar matches feel wholly different to any other kind of match in any promotion in the world, uh, and that is part down to just him and his aura, uh, and just the way that he is booked, and the fact that he only wrestles on you know the big pay per views, uh, so only a couple of times of the year, um, and. Yeah, you could say to a certain degree that his matches had become a little bit predictable. Um, I won't say that entirely for the fact that I thought the Joe match was had a real just kind of physical style to it. The four-way was yes. absolute chaos. The The brawl match was, was disappointing. Um, but I don't think he's had as bad a year as some people have possibly made out to be. I think I think his year last year was, was worse. Yeah. It was last year. Definitely, he didn't give a fuck in some of them, particularly the one we saw live, Mark. Yeah, oh, fuck's sake. Um, but, you know, the thing about his matches is they don't outstay their welcome. Um, uh, they, they have that UFC feel to them in that they could end at any second. Uh, and there's no other wrestler there's no other match that you're going to see on a wwe card that feels like that where it could just end at any time uh and yeah so i fucking this was just mwah, loved it uh and this helps aj in the fact that he's had a bit of an underwhelming year uh partly just because of the role they've had him play uh although i do feel that him and the owens feud wasn't as good as it could have been uh, no. so I think I, we talked about that last time. Yeah, so hopefully this helps to raise his stock. Hopefully, by the love of sweet Christ, I hope he keeps the belt to Mania. Uh, and I presume we'll get Styles and Nakamura. And regardless of the context, that will be a great match. But I would prefer that that was for the title than compared to Mahal and, and God knows what they would do. Uh, but yeah, this was just... It was great. Uh, one of the, the more enjoyable... Uh, big match big feel type matches that uh wwe have put on this year do we think from the way we've spoken about this match that obviously you know undertaker's retired could brock be the new undertaker at mania could he be that every year have a match with somebody and 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 give like somebody that rub from facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Well, the thing do you is, think is, that would be a cool. Uh, the, the thing is, every year is like, oh, so they're gonna they're gonna do Brock and Roman again. Yeah, yeah, that's and they probably will do that this year, and Brock probably will lose. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Oh, can you imagine the reaction for Roman? Oh. like especially <laughs> the next night. Jack, oh my Jack, god, Jack, like... Jack, we won't have to imagine it for very long. 
<laughs> it will be happening. And, and Jack, remember, uh, me and Dave have seen them fucking try and do it live, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Um, we'll move on to the, uh, the the main event here, um, and that was the men's Survivor Series match, which was... Um, interesting i suppose uh, this uh, was the car so, crash in the wrong kind of way yes yeah, so this was team raw which was uh frosty the strowman uh finn balor kurt angle samoa joe and triple h beating team smackdown which is bobby Roode, john cena randy orton shane mcmahon shinsuke nakamura uh this match went on 33 minutes um right how do you dissect a match like this um let's start off with uh Mark, uh, favorite moment of this match for the two of us might have been how even during his entrance, it was clear that Randy Orton didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh... He just he just walked out and halfway down the ramp, he stopped as if he was going to pose and then just stretched and cracked his back a little. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Guys, I actually have in a little thing of notes here, Randy Orton could care less. Those exact <laughs> words. Speaking, speaking of there, underwhelming there, low-key years. Yeah. There are a few people who can who are worse at masking how little they care than Randy Orton, because when he's in not give a fuck mode, it's hilarious. And uh, that has been pretty much the entirety of 2017. Uh, since he, since he burned down that shed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this fucking match, I don't know. Like, there were some really cool moments, uh, like Nakamura's interaction with the likes of Triple H. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, him and, and Bala, that was cool. Uh, I greatly enjoyed commentary saying, oh, this legendary feud from Japan, where I think they maybe had one fucking match ever against each other. Um but then on the flip side of that, like I genuinely was wincing just watching Kurt Angle walk to the ring. And yeah. that just from the get-go, I was like, what the fuck are we doing here, people? Seriously. Um, and then again, just we're back to Uncle Paul. Like, you love him and you hate him. Like, you know, he's done some really good, interesting things for the last couple of years for that company. But as a, an on-screen character, I could give less of a fuck about him. Um, and you know, at some point, I guess we're going to get him and Kurt Angle and like Angle in the ring with Cena, those two, that was just, (laughs) there was, there was a couple of moments, right? Where they had clearly set up the match to kind of pop the crowd with some of the dream face-offs that were happening. The one that really popped everybody was Nakamura and Balor getting into the ring together, but there was a couple of moments like that. And then obviously the one that they thought was going to be the biggest of all because they left it to last was John Cena and Kurt Angle getting in the ring with Crickets. each other because John Cena John Cena match uh, on the main roster was against Kurt Angle. Yeah. And yeah, people were just did not give a shit. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Jack, some, some of your thoughts on this match. Yeah, Kurt Angle's old, man. <laughs> it was really like, even compared to last month, it was so much sadder watching him just try to walk. Last month, it was funny, though, because of the, I mean, I, I can't actually think of him in that match without thinking of the phrase, how do you do, fellow shields? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think it was kind of cool then, but like he didn't need to immediately be on the next thing. But it's clear that they're trying to set up 
something. I, I just thought this match, so many of the matches over the course of this weekend up to this point, like there were story elements in them, but like most of the story was kind of sparse and almost played a backseat to the actual match. Like even AJ and Lesnar, where you thought they could have done a billion things to be like, oh, AJ would never beat Lesnar. So we're going to add this to the match and that to the match. But it was just a straight up match. And there were a lot of things like that. Whereas this match like started off great and then it just became about executing plot points in a in a larger story. Yeah, it and became I think, a storyline like, match, go, which is yeah, like, when sorry. When yeah. you go back and watch it in years to come, Mark, like I I don't think it's gonna stand up at all. No. Um because mm. of that. And and I think that's a shame because a lot of those Survivor series matches are usually good when there's a big multi-man tag match in wwe with a bunch of guys that everyone likes then they're usually pretty good but it just felt such flat like to me like the moment where i i, I just died a little bit was i mean yes frosty the strowman is gonna be the direction going forward and he's the big guy they're building up but to see him eliminate nakamura first i was just like no like, I would love Nakamura to have hung around a bit more in this match. And then they kind of just jobbed Bobby Roode out. Like, what was it like 30 seconds or something later? It felt like Strowman yeah. pinned him as well. And I was just like, all oh, right, so you've just buried the two top guys <laughs> on NXT this time last year. Um, and that, I, I kind of felt a little bit down on it. But there was some good stuff after that. Uh, it just, yeah, it kind of descended into, oh, oh, they're just trying to get their storylines over, and fair enough, but mm, I, I do want to see a good match, and this wasn't one at the end of it. Mark, what was your favourite tough guy Shane McMahon moment in this match? Was it him picking a fight with Braun Strowman, or him fighting off Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn single-handedly? i tell you what, right? This is not the hottest <laughs> of hot takes. I'm kind of done with Shane McMahon. Yeah, uh, I, I was. I think I think most of us have been for most of this run. I I was done with him after he fell off the really tall thing against Taker. Um, and fine, him and Styles had a very enjoyable match at WrestleMania, but at the same time, match of the night, by the way. Yeah, probably. Probably. We're we're grading. <laughs> How many people can say they've had match of the night at wrestlemania one of those people is shane mcmahon guys jack we're grading on a very low curve when we talk about this year's wrestlemania hey the first half of that show was pretty fun it then descended is a word you could use but still i wouldn't say there was anything great other than styles mcmahon anyway uh yeah i don't know uh, what do you mean to say? Uh, <laughs> I don't need to see 48-year-old Shane McMahon in his little fucking blue basketball uh, baseball jersey uh, pretending to be a tough guy with Braun Strowman. I just, I don't need to see it. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm over it. Um, it it's... I say, though, Shane McMahon's always A-plus on the sneaker game. Like, he has some fucking <laughs> cool trainers. <laughs> this is, like, this is, if this is a guy that bit. is a fan this, of... This... This is what I love about the two of you being the panel. It's the darkness and the light. If we're looking for positives, <laughs> Jack, I will give Jack, you that, Jack. Jack will, find, Jack will find a way to even compliment Shane McMahon in this match. I, I will give you that. He has a strong sneaker game. There, I, I would never be one to dispute that. Um... And you talk about <sighs> tough. 
only one of this ma- men lived through a helicopter crash, right? Hey, I, I'll, I'll have you Strowman strolling yeah. out of some flame and wreckage I'm, once in a while. Well, actually, I'm sorry, Jack, because only one of the men in this match survived being put in a trash compactor. <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, fair, mate. Any other dis- one of the things I thought uh, about this, uh, Jack, and I don't know if you agree, but in hindsight, in particular, <laughs> he was like, in there for a week. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, who it, in in hindsight now with the match being over, why the fuck was John Cena there? I don't know. Why was Randy Orton there? <laughs> yeah, but well, at least Brandy Orton is on TV, you know, every week. Whereas John Cena made his big return; he was supposed to be the referee of the Jinder Brock match. And at least uh, with Randy Orton, then, I enjoyed the fact that he was also wondering why Randy Orton was there. Yeah, <laughs> Randy Orton wonders that whenever he just shows up to TV. But like or- Cena came into this you match, think if his- it wasn't for the theme song, anyone would have remembered that Bobby Roode was even in this match. <laughs> Cena shows up to this match and kind of his big return after being away for a little while uh, showing up for Team Smackdown and he just kind of came in did a few moves and got pinned I'll tell you what other than the match with Styles at the start of the year at the Rumble Cena has had like his worst year since maybe ever um Oh, dude, pre-2007, I don't know if you want to be saying, like, in terms of quality of matches, pre-2007 was well, a choppy. Well, like, 2006 was a good year. Um, he had enjoyable matches in 2002, 2003. Like, obviously, it was still clunky, but he's not had... At least they were interesting. Uh, he was an interesting person to watch in the ring, maybe not for all the best reasons. But this year, like, other than that Styles match... Everything he's touched has either been bad or just meh. Um, oh, dude, I don't know. Like the the match was pretty meh, but the the, the build up for the Miz Cena match at WrestleMania was great. Yeah, but the, the match was nothing. There was it was nothing. What uh, were you expecting the rematch of the WrestleMania twenty seven main event okay, to be? Yes, I was there. It was bad. <laughs> I accept that, and I have to live with that. Did you really think that what that match needed was for both of those men to be nearly a decade older? I was hoping... Like, what, were, what the fuck were you expecting, Mark? I was expecting and hoping to be entertained, and I was not. Maybe that he is on me. With... Maybe that is on me. He had a good match with Roman Reigns at No Mercy. Um, He had a pretty yeah, good okay. match on... He had a pretty good match on TV with Jason Jordan, from what I remember. I don't even remember that. Uh, he had a really good match with Samoa Joe, I think. I don't remember that. Did, did he? The only thing I remember is him getting kneed in the face by Nakamura. <laughs> Just good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good. That was a good match. Yeah. Either way, we are arguing semantics about the fact that John Cena has had a bad year, or an, <laughs> yeah. a very don't... underwhelming year. H- hang on, I think Dave just kind of proved that John yeah. Cena hasn't had a bad year. Yeah, he's had like a load of really good matches, no, you and have asked... like the rest of that, the rest of the year, like he, uh, he, like he hasn't been on TV a lot because he's been away. You have named three matches, one that you don't even remember. Mark, if, if we ignore or... all the good matches that John Cena's had, he's had a really <laughs> bad year. <laughs> You have named three matches, one that you don't even remember if it happened or not. Look at this and the guy. Miz match was not Look good. Look at this guy. The Miz match was not good. 
the triple threat match uh, where Bray beat him and AJ, the his role in the Ooh, Elimination well, Chamber good. match as well. You want to keep coming at me here, Mark? I'll keep naming well, them. The Elimination Chamber <laughs> is a six-man match, so... He was in it. This was a ten-man match, and you're burying him for not being any good in it. It's like when people talk about the best matches of Cody Rhodes' career, and you see that there's no, a four- and a bit-star match, dig, which is a ladder dig match. Dig up, Robinson. Dig up, oh, Robinson, you, will you? You go with it, but you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, any other memories of this match, uh, Jack? Any any other highlights or lowlights you want to share? Braun Strowman is fucking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, he like, sure is. Every time I see him, I I still don't think I'm over just how much of a fucking unit that man is. Like, he's just a fucking tank. I'm pretty sure he is solo, like a, a sovereign nation. And has his own economy. And like that shit's set up on his back. He's huge. Uh, is what I'm trying to say. And like it's just cool to see him just wreck shop. And I wonder when they pull the trigger on him. And like have him like face Brock. I know everybody is saying. Oh it's going to be Brock versus Roman. But please tell me that you wouldn't rather see. Frosty the Strowman versus Brock. How much of a better match would that be. In terms of just a sheer fucking spectacle. Well, they thought oh, yeah. it wasn't that good. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, but at Mania, um, I mean, hopefully put second it this time way. round. Hopefully second time round, they would get it right. Uh, put it this way, Jack. The, the one way you're you're absolutely correct in is that it would absolutely be a bigger deal to the crowd because the crowd are super into Braun Strowman. And they are not yep. into Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar. I think they, I think they would be fine with Braun Strowman beating Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, that's. I, I think we'll we'll kind of on the. Uh, we wish it were uh, the Mania main event. We'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, and start to wrap things up a little bit. Uh, I want to do one thing. We were going to talk about kind of some end of year impressions of WWE, but I think we'll we'll leave that off and maybe talk about it uh, when we do our next show. We'll probably come back around the time of the Royal Rumble and look at 2017 in retrospect when it's completely finished. But uh, I want you guys to plant your flag in the ground now, and I want a serious prediction so that we can kind of time capsule this podcast uh, from both of you. Right now, if you had to say who is, not who you want to, but or maybe throw in a bonus who you want to win the Royal Rumble, but who do you think right now is positioned to win the, the Royal Rumble in, in 2018? Uh, we'll go to Mark first. Um, I reckon it either has to be Roman Reigns or Nakamura, I guess. Um, I mean, if I'm thinking about what title matches they'll do, um, I, unless McMahon goes on the biggest of biggest fucking swerves, I, I guess that you're looking at Reigns and Brock and Styles and Nakamura. Um, so, yeah, one of those two, uh, I guess. Who, If you had to lean on somebody at the moment? Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter who wins because, like, the, the main event will be Brock and Roman. So I'll mm-hmm. say Nakamura. Jack? I think it's going to be won by Braun fuck mothering Strowman, son. <laughs> you, think they're gonna gonna... Get, you think they're going to get cold feet on Roman Brock? Yeah, because I think it's going to be Brock versus Braun. I think 
that's the way I see it going. Like uh, the the reactions he's getting are just it's they can't ignore that. And plus, Roman's in the shield. Like if they built up a really cool, like, I don't know. I feel like it's Roman Reigns and the Shield at this point. Yeah, because they they did. I think I watched Raw this week, and at least what, a bit half like a do- Sting and the Police, like where yeah. no one acknowledged <laughs> yeah. the fact that the police were a group anymore, and all of a sudden it was Sting and his pals, at like least... as if Andy fucking Sumner isn't an amazing musician. Like uh, what, least... what's going on there? Bad job, society. It's the police, okay. <laughs> At least half a dozen times on Raw, they went out of their way to say that Roman Reigns led the Shield and is the leader of the Shield. Uh, they're really trying to position him, whereas like it was really there was no real leader to the Shield the first time round. Like a kind of like Ambrose would probably be just the one who talked the most because he is the best on the mic of the three of them, or at least was at the time anyway, for sure. Um, whereas now it's definitely. Roman Reigns. The shield, the shield, were, as the the shield were very much like the core. They all had equal power within the <laughs> yeah, group. Yeah, damn right. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think one big Dave Meltzer was talking about the possibility, although he doubts it, of maybe throwing Braun in and making it a three-way. Um, what kind of complicates things is now that it seems, uh, at least for the next month or so, that um, Roman Reigns is in an intercontinental title feud because he won the title on Raw completing the Grand Slam uh, which is a strange thing um, I can see him dropping it to Braun I love that it... go Mark I, I just I, I think I could see him dropping it to, to Braun um, and then having Braun go off in some direction with that and being unstoppable as the IC champ that uh, well no that probably won't happen but mm-hmm. I don't know I maybe that's an option Jack, were you going to say something there? I, uh... Like, there was a picture of a... He's like, it's my yard now, blah, blah, blah. And he's holding up the Intercontinental title, and I was like, well, that's not the world title, mate. Yeah. Does anybody want to sort of go... Uh, you probably want the other one. You know, the the, the one that's held by the, the big guy. Yeah. With the face over there. Not <laughs> you. The face with the dick sword tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I always felt like that looks like some sort of like fucking ridiculous hand grenade attached to a blade, like the ultimate weapon. Like the bottom <laughs> half of that looks like a hand grenade, like a hand grenade sword. <laughs> I really like the idea of a, a nickname for a wrestler being the ultimate weapon because it has such a double <laughs> meaning to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna now immediately start training to be a wrestler. I thought you were gonna say that's nickname number eleven for Baron Corbin, (laughs) the ultimate weapon. (laughs) There you go. Uh, By the way, I'd love to see weapon versus the Jewish cannon. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Two questions. Uh, So for you, uh, Dave, who do you think is gonna win the rumble? 
Um, I would lean on the side of Roman Reigns because they won't learn their lesson about how badly Roman Reigns and the Royal Rumble goes over with Royal Rumble audiences. That is a very well-educated guess. Uh, and I think it's in Philadelphia? Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be real bad. Yeah. It's going to be so bad. Although he won his first title there and they popped to him, or second title, sorry, and they popped to him there. So who the fuck knows? Um, second question. Uh, so... The, there's been the reports coming out that Vince has called off on Finn Balor and he's not going to be getting the title match with Brock now. Uh, how do we feel about that? It's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy that, well, if you book him to not get over, he's not going to be over. Uh, yeah, any comments on that? My thoughts on it would be, in one respect, uh, I'm kind of glad he's not in the match with Brock because I don't think this would be a match like the AJ match where he'd give him a lot. Like, I know Paul was putting him over a lot in promos the last couple of months, but I have a feeling that he would just steamroll through Finn. Um, But the idea that he's cooling off on him in general is not great because there's a lot of potential in Finn. And he's one of those guys where we noted a couple of times during Survivor Series, Mark, that um, there's a few guys on that roster like Nakamura that even though the booking of them has been really poor, they're still somehow super over. In spite of that, that if they decided to pull the trigger on Nakamura or decided to pull the trigger on Finn, they're only a couple of good booking decisions away from making them like credible main event world champion material. Yeah, um, uh, but it's like, how can you be surprised um, that he may have called off when he's had like an atrocious fucking feud with Bray Wyatt? Uh, uh, and you can really put Bray, any Bray word or two words dead. before atrocious feud with Bray Wyatt and there's a, a pattern that does occur yeah. uh, like thank fuck that Bray ended up and I don't want to say this but thank fuck that he ended up with was it measles that he ended up with um, uh, mumps mumps sorry thank fuck that did happen so it, it killed the feud dead um, <laughs> yeah thank god thank god he could potentially have been rendered infertile <laughs> yeah I realised it sounded harsher than it was intended to be um, but yeah like I'm it's just it's just such a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's like okay yeah. yes he's not the strongest on the mic but there are ways to work around that um yeah I, just, I think it annoyed me it did annoy me yeah i think maybe the best thing for him if he's cooled off and he's not going to be pushed towards the main event that um i don't know turning him heel was the was one of the best things that ever happened to him in new japan so maybe you you explore that idea lord knows gallows and anderson would probably bite your arms off if you offered them the chance to go back with him and basically do bullet club indeed uh on raw and that would at least be something for him where as he's completely rudderless at the moment like i don't even know if you sat me down here mark and said what's the wrestlemania match for finn i i don't know what it is I, I genuinely don't know what it is unless they get like super lazy and just go, oh, we'll do Finn and Joe again, even though they did it a hundred times in NXT. Um, you know, I, I have no idea where they would go with him because obviously they still care about him a bit, just not in the kind of world title material. Maybe put the Intercontinental title on him eventually. Uh, I, I guess I, there is sort of a storyline with Triple H, maybe, but... Yeah, but you know Triple H is busy through Mania now. Yeah. Uh, like, they teased... Uh, it It looks like it's going to be... There's going to be an angle Triple H match and a Triple H Braun Strowman match, neither of which I care about. No. Uh, uh, one is going to be significantly worse than the other, but they're both going to yeah. be bad. Yeah. 
Um, Unless so, Storm just absolutely destroys him, then sure. yeah, I, I think I think Finn versus Triple H could be a good SummerSlam match, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what the WrestleMania match is for Finn. Uh, to be honest, uh, no, no, I have no idea. Uh, Jack, before we wrap up, any thoughts on that the the, the Finn Balor discussion there? Um, what is Finn positioned as at the moment? He's, he's yeah he's in that weird no man's land between he's yeah. too over and too considered too at least slightly too good for the mid card title uh but he's not considered for the brock match so he's kind of in limbo you know what we were saying at the start about the whole dream and black thing about they don't know how to do undercard feuds correctly. Like yeah. Balor is the perfect example where he's not been in the title picture for most of the year. So they need to have interesting undercard feuds for him to be in. And because they don't know how to do it, he's just been either pissing around doing nothing or been in fucking spooky time fun show clown show feud with Bray Wyatt. And uh, it's yeah, it's it's not been a good year. It's not been a good comeback year for him. Yeah, uh, I think we'll leave it at that for the wrap up this time. Um, want to thank Jack for coming on the line to talk to me and Mark about the the professional wrestling again. Like I said uh, earlier on in the show, we will probably be back in or around Royal Rumble time uh, to run you through what is the, the start of the the ever daunting road to WrestleMania. But it's been a fun chat, gentlemen. I appreciate you being on the line. Uh, I've been Dave Ryan. The men on the line to me have been Mark Robinson and Jack Lazell. Uh, we shall see you all again on Link to the Cast Presents The Grapple. <laughs>